everybody, it's Certified Life Coach Angie Atkinson and at QueenBeing.com we talk about narcissistic abuse recovery and narcissistic abuse recovery empowerment. Alright, so if you're here watching this video, chances are you've already figured out that you're in a relationship with a toxic narcissist and that you need to at least consider going no contact if you ever want to be happy again. Am I right? But as I'm assuming you already know, that's a whole lot easier said than done especially when the person in question is a close friend, family member, or significant other. In case you're not aware of no, what no contact means in reference to narcissistic relationships, let's go ahead and define it. So the no contact rule, simply put, uh, is enacted when you end all contact with the toxic narcissist. This includes, but isn't limited to the following. First, stop taking the narcissist phone calls. Block him or her on all social media networks. Don't schedule or encourage visits with the narcissist. Stop seeing him or her or speaking to or interacting with him or her in any way. It isn't rocket science, but why is it so hard to enact and then stick to the no contact rule? Well, the main reason going no contact is so hard is plain old love addiction. So look, I wrote a book one time called Your Love is My Drug. And I wrote that because there's a scientific basis for it. Researchers say that romantic love is an addiction, as in it affects the brain just like a drug. Logically, you know you shouldn't do things that are bad for you, like, like drugs. And toxic people, well, they're bad for our lives, and while we all know that we need to get or stay away, it just isn't always so easy. But what's funny is that Romantic love actually stimulates the same area of the brain as addiction. Oh yeah, my friend. According to scientists, we're biologically related to behave that way. There is an evolutionary spin here. See, the loss of a baby-making mate would have been bad for us as a species, and on top of that, humans are hardwired to develop bonds to other humans. It's just another survival urge that we have. See, because in, in in the old days when we didn't have homes and guns and and stores to shop at we needed to be in groups in order to survive for protection as well as to get food and everything else that we needed to get through now you add together your need to bond and the need to keep your mate or at least to feel great distress in the loss of one what do you have well love affects you like a drug and when you're in a relationship with a toxic person it can even be more so like a drug since you'll have trauma bonding and all of that good stuff so when you're not getting the sweet poison you just might miss it a lot like a crack addict might miss his fix but good news there's help there's hope and you're not alone if you're interested in learning more about narcissistic abuse narcissistic abuse recovery and empowerment visit queenbeing.com you can also sign up for one-on-one -on -one no contact coaching with me or Join my SPAN group, which is support for people affected by narcissistic abuse in relationships, free of charge and confidential. Learn more about that at queenween.com SPAN. All right, everybody, I'm closing up for now. As always, thanks for letting me be a part of your life and a part of your day. See you soon. Hey survivors, it's Angie. Um, I've decided I'm going to try to do some of these um, vlog extras uh, just whenever I get a chance um, in addition to my regular videos because um, quite honestly I feel like 
I have so many questions to answer. So many people have asked me so many questions. I want to be able to answer them all. I just don't think there's enough time in, in a day to do it or in, you know, I have too many questions to answer. So I'm just going to try to start answering them, you know, in addition to my regular videos whenever I get a minute. Okay. So today I want to answer a question that a lot of people have asked um, after my most recent video where I talked about how to explain to your friends and family why you're going no contact with a narcissist. And a lot of people said, well, okay, but how do I tell the narcissist that I'm going no contact with the narcissist. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's get started. So there's this concept. It's called, um, it's called Stover, right? Stover. I find that very interesting. Stover. Anyway, what does that mean? Well, oops, hold on. I think I'm covering up your microphone or my microphone there. Stover is um, a technique that was as far as, I, well, anyway, I don't know who developed it, but the person who I read about it from is a psychotherapist named Brie Bonche, I don't know if I'm saying that right, B-O-N-C-H-A-Y. Anyway, she um, wrote an article on relationshippedia.me, okay, and basically, um, you know, she says that what happens is that, you know, with the passage of time, people start to develop, you know, relationship amnesia. Yeah, don't they know? Um, I see that a lot. Uh, you forget the bad things and you remember the good things. I think it's kind of your way of surviving a little bit, but it turns out that it actually kind of keeps you hooked a little longer, which is no bueno. So anyway, um, what it comes down to is that, you know, you know how to go no contact. You get rid of the stuff on social media. You stop speaking to them. You block them from your phone, et cetera, et cetera. If you don't have kids with them, you can do all that stuff. Um, if you do have kids, you go low contact. You only talk to them about the kids and that's it, right? And, uh, you know, they don't have to be part of your social media world to talk about the kids, do they now? So, right. So, um, anyway, the thing is that as people develop amnesia, you know, um, then they're more likely to succumb to hoovering, right? So, rather than allow yourself to be hoovered, you can try this Stover technique, S-T-O-V-E-R, which means so totally ever, which... <laughs> I so totally love. Okay. Anyway, so I, I think this is a pretty cool concept and I want to tell you what I've learned about this. Okay. I've got a couple more for you as well, but let me just get you this one first. All right. So basically how it goes is this. Oops. I covered mics. No. Okay. So it says Stover is not just no contact, no response for a certain amount of time to clear your head and heal your heart. Stover is a frame of mind. It's your new mantra. It's rejecting anyone who doesn't appreciate you. It's closing the door forever and putting a padlock on it. It's accepting the relationship is finished and that there's no turning back no matter what. It's ensuring that there's zero possibility of any reconciliation or potential for a future friendship. It's letting go of the need for vindication or hope for an apology and so on and so forth. You know, you get it. It's so totally over. It's so totally ever. Okay. I like it. Stover. What do you think? Huh? So... Back to the original point of the video, uh, how, um, how do you tell a narcissist that you're going no contact? What does that look like? Well, you know what? I have a couple of things to say about this. First of all, you don't owe the narcissist an explanation. You can just do it. You can just go no contact. You've been abused and you don't owe that person anything. Now, if that person is the parent of your child, well, then you might have a little bit more of a complication, huh? And I get that, okay? But just understand this. You don't owe them a thing, okay? I cannot get the light right. I am so sorry. <laughs> you don't owe the narcissist anything. And so, 
you know, if you're going to have to be co-parent with this person, then what you need to do is you need to focus on only dealing with the children. I would block from all social, social media and only allow them to text or call you on your phone and only regarding the children. If they say or, or text anything that's not regarding the children, whatever. Now, if you're lucky enough to not have children with that person, just cut it off, you know? Uh, if it's a family member or a friend, you know, then, um, you know, you can just deal with them as little as possible, do the low contact thing. You know, you, you may have to see them at family events or you may choose to stay away from family events that they're at. It depends on the level of toxicity within your extended family. Um, I've talked before about how this narcissistic behavior tends to go generationally through families. And that is really the case, you know, where they, they literally, um, because a child learns that that's the norm, they seek out a partner who helps provide that kind of chaos in their lives. And it becomes an ongoing generational mess. And uh, so here's my suggestion. Let's break it. Let's be the first generation to not do this anymore in our families. Let's change the lives of our families. What do you think? I think it's a great idea. So if you're going no contact with a narcissist, how do you tell the narcissist? Well, if you, if you want, you can just say, look, it's over. Don't contact me anymore. Boom. You know, if you're married, say, oh, we're getting a divorce. Don't contact me anymore when this is over. If you deal with the kids, only contact me regarding the children. We don't need to be friends to be co-parents. You know what I'm saying? Um, please stop contacting me. We both need to move forward. You know, no matter what they say, because they're going to try to suck you back in. They don't like it when people are mad at them and they don't like to lose. And if you're the one doing the dumping, they're going to think that they're losing. And if they dumped you when they came back and you wouldn't take them back again, they're going to think they're the one doing the losing. So it's really hard, but you kind of got to figure out a way to allow yourself to take the loss as far as they can tell. Because if you let them think they won, then they might let you have your life back. But the fact is you don't have to ask for it, my friend. You have to take it. Mm -hmm. Take it, take it, take it, take it. All right. I'm going to wrap this up. So, oh, hold on, hold on. I guess I have to tell you more information. <laughs> uh, the other thing you can do is write the narcissist a letter, okay? And you can just say, like, dear narcissist, you know what, I'm sorry, it's over, blah, 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 whatever you want to tell them. And then you can just simply say, you know, don't contact me again. I'm going no contact for my own sanity, blah, 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 whatever. But... To be honest with you, I don't think you should do that, and I don't think you should use that term if you do do that, because you don't want the narcissist looking it up and being like, oh, I'll show her or him. You know what I'm saying? You want to make it as little, make it about yourself if you need to, just to get them off your back. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's hard for a lot of people to go, just to walk away without having closure, without having that person hear them, without understanding like what you're dealing with and stuff like this. It's, it's, I, I, so many of my clients say to me, I know, but I just wish that I could just make them understand. I just wish that I could get them to say they were wrong. I wish I could get some closure, but my friend, it's not worth it. It's not. Just be happy, okay? So you can either write them a letter or you can verbally or in text break up with them by saying, uh, you know, it's a, you know, we're, I'm, I'm leaving or it's over or whatever. Don't contact me anymore. And then you can literally just block them at that point if you want to. You don't have to deal with them. Now, if you are dealing with someone who is violent and someone who is likely to stalk you or anything else, it might be in your, in your best interest to get yourself a, you know, an order of protection, uh, or at least to 
you know, be prepared to do that if necessary. Um, your personal safety is very important, and if you have any doubt at all about it, please don't hesitate to get help, to get yourself safe. It's so important, and, you know, it could save your life. All right? Okay, I'm going to wrap it up. I have, like, life to live and stuff over here, so I'm going to go take care of my family and do my thing. Uh, but I just wanted to touch base with you guys and let you know that these things are pretty quick for me to record, and I, I'm i sorry about the finger of the video. And I want to be able to add as much value as I can to your day, so I'm going to try to start answering your questions. Anytime I have a spare moment, I'm just going to pop one up, and we'll just uh, keep going, all right? <laughs> and, and I'll still do my regular videos. Okay, see you guys soon. Thanks for letting me be a part of your life and a part of your day. Hugs and love. Good morning, survivors. It's Angie. Today we're going to talk about no contact, and specifically we're going to talk about does the narcissist miss you when he goes or she goes no contact or does the silent treatment? All right, let's talk about it. So when you're in a relationship with a narcissist, a lot of times um, it's, it's very painful. And then when you break up, it's almost like you're uh, recovering from a drug because what happens is that the narcissist will actually um, treat you like nothing and you will literally sort of crave them it's almost like a trauma bonding thing so a lot of times my clients will say to me does he or she miss me is it possible that they miss me or are they just how could they just walk away and not care not care you know and um, that's what we're gonna talk about does the narcissist miss you or not coffee so look here's the thing I'm gonna give you the short answer and it's gonna hurt your feelings. The narcissist probably doesn't miss you. At least not in the same way that you miss him or her, okay? Mm. Oops, sorry, I think I just messed up with my valley volume. Anyway, so the thing is that when, you're, um, when you've gone no contact with the narcissist, you do that for your own sanity or sometimes they go no contact with you because they've broken up with you or whatever. Uh, but the narcissist, while they may not miss you, they do go through certain phases that feel uncomfortable to them, okay? and um, at the beginning, it, it often looks like anger or narcissistic injury, uh, depending on how it went down. See, the thing is, the narcissist has had so much control over you for so long that when you actually have the nerve to take back your life, they often feel incredibly offended by this, okay? And not only that, but they will um, they will react in such a way that is, is just almost outrageous with, with the way they behave. They they push, they pull, they tell everybody bad things about you. And in fact, they've probably been doing that all along in order to prepare for this moment because inevitably the narcissist, whether he or she discards you or, or you move on, they have to know that the relationship's never going to work in the long run. And even if it does, it's going to suck for you, my friend. See, the narcissist sees you as an extension of himself or herself. And for that reason, um, they can't actually believe that you've made such a choice to, to send them packing, so to speak. And even if they send you packing and you decide, you know what, that's what I'm done, uh, they still feel offended because they think they should have the right to come back and get you whenever you want because, of course, you're not, in their opinion, a real person. You are simply an extension of them and or, you know, an object to be used at his or her discretion. Then you've got the silent treatment, and that is when a narcissist will, you know, um, because they think that you're property to them, they think that you're someone who... Uh, should do what they say because that's what they <laughs> think should happen. They will often uh, take it beyond a normal and healthy amount of that. 
Now, I know what you're thinking. The silent treatment is something that shouldn't be an issue for you when you go no contact, right? Because you're already no contact, so of course they're going to give you a silent treatment. Well, the fact is that most people don't, not most people, some people don't go fully no contact. They might still um, text message or accept emails or whatever. And when that happens and the narcissist decides to give you the silent treatment because you have failed or done something that they consider unacceptable, then you find yourself, um, you know, a lot, a lot of times victims and survivors will find themselves kind of going back to the narcissist because they think, maybe it really was my fault. Why aren't they talking to me? You know? That's because they feel rejected. The victims or survivors feel rejected, ironically, by the way that the narcissist has treated them. And of course, that's when you find the hoovering happens. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. When the narcissist um, sucks you back in. So for example, I have a client the other day. Uh, she told me that her narcissist, who she finally has broken free from, so proud of you if you're watching, uh, she said that he showed up at her front door with some flowers and he wanted to you know, apologize but not get back together. Now, y'all know that um, what, his purpose was obviously something sinister. I believe that he um, may have moved on with another person but wants to keep this beautiful woman in his stable of opportunity or <laughs> whatever you want to call it, narcissistic harem. He wants backup supply and he wants her to be it. And luckily she's too smart for that and she's not going to fall for it. So yeah. And of course you've got the ones who have moved on for sure and who come back and tell you, you know, well, it's your fault that I moved on because I was so lonely when you left me. But hey, now that we're, uh, now that we're talking, maybe we could still work something out again, again, you're going to be, you're going to find yourself in a situation if you go for it, where you're going to, um, be very, feeling very alone and very, confused and very shared oh well <laughs> sharing the narcissist in any case it's not healthy and it's not worth your time and if you're smart you'll you'll step away from that what was interesting about my client's story is that she actually felt for just a moment like maybe she was wrong like maybe he really did do something you know good and maybe he really did have intentions that were good but this guy particularly was you know he he was a horrible boyfriend to her every time she took him back he treated her terrible, like like she didn't matter, like she was nothing. So this is important information um, because the fact is, as we've discussed before, narcissists really don't change. So even if they pretend like they're going to, the fact is that they will not. They will not change, and there's just not a whole lot you can do about it except for to move on and find someone healthier to be with, or just be by yourself. Because honest to God, you guys, being alone is so much better than being unhappy. Being alone doesn't mean being lonely. Uh, you're probably already isolated from a lot of people that you used to be close with in your life, so something to consider. In a few cases, the narcissist will actually um, decide that, you know, they, they, they will, if you take them back, they will actually punish you for having left them in the first place and gone no contact because they believe that you have made a serious mistake and they believe it's really all your fault. It's not your fault because they were obviously the person who caused you to have to go no contact. But if you take them back, you may be punished for your behavior. So that's one more reason you shouldn't. So does the narcissist miss you? Well, let me ask you something. Did you ever ask the narcissist what they loved about you? And what did they say? Because I did. And so did a lot of other people. And what most narcissists will tell you that they love about you is, I love how you put your hands on my back. I love how you treat me. I love how you make me feel. I love blah, 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 how you blah, blah, me, 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 me. Okay. They never say, you know, so, something like, um, I love that you're so sensitive. I love that you're such a good, 
you know, writer. I love that you're such a good cook, whatever, whatever, unless it actually benefits them directly. And in fact, if you are some, you know, if you're doing something for yourself or something that you love to do, they will do anything they can to stop you. So narcissists miss a person, a body, someone, someone that they can be the, their horrible selves with and still keep around. And so when you take that away from them, sure, they're going to come after you. And, and, you know, the only way that you can really win at this game is to go and stay no contact. And if you cannot do that, then you go low contact and you go, and you go gray rock whenever you have to deal with them. That's always the best option. Okay. Um, so that's all I've got for today. I'm going to go ahead and wrap up. I've got meetings today to go to and all this other stuff. So I've already done my, um, vision board, uh, video for you. So I'll post that later today as well. Okay. You guys have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for letting me be part of your day today and part of your recovery. I have much enjoyed our coffee together today um, and I will see you later. Have a wonderful day. See you soon. Good morning, survivors. It's Angie Atkinson and today at queenbeing.com, we're going to talk about top 10 things you need to know about going no contact. All right, so let's get started. So what is the no contact rule? Well, the no contact rule is when you literally stop all contact with a narcissist. It takes you from being abused to being free. Okay. It's a difficult thing. Um, but you literally end all contact immediately. You don't need to tell the narcissist about it. You just need to do it and you need to stay focused on doing it. Now this, um, you know, if you just stop talking to the narcissist and you don't tell them that it's ending and you, you just disappear, that's fine. But you have to know that, um, if you, do want to let the narcissist know, you know, just a text message or a letter or a note or something like that is sufficient. You don't have to speak to them in person. And this is especially true if you're being emotionally abused, because as you know, um, a narcissist is really good at convincing you that you're the problem and not them. And they're also really good at love bombing you. So um, they will do everything they can to try to keep you in their clutches, even if um, they're still actively pursuing other people. So uh, anyway, so going no contact is is essentially what exactly what it sounds like literally ending all contact with the narcissist and in order to save yourself and preserve your own sanity and potentially your own safety um so yeah here we go let's talk about the 10 things that you need to know today about going no contact you need to block the narcissist from your phone entirely and if you don't know how to do that you can actually go through your carrier if your phone won't do it itself and you can actually set it up to where that person's calls never ring your phone and you can have the voicemails um, either ignored or put into a, a folder to be deleted um, without listening. Okay, that's number one. Block the narcissist from your phone. Two, if the narcissist comes knocking at your door, which they might if they know where you live, then um, you don't answer the door. Don't go to the door. Don't crack the door. Don't look out the door. Just don't answer the door if you can avoid it. Okay, if you accidentally answer the door, you immediately close the door and you don't speak to the narcissist or deal with the narcissist because... Um, going no contact means going no contact, ending the relationship, severing the relationship entirely. That's the only way you can do it. Um, if you're using the no contact method, you have to entirely sever it. Number three, you also need to block the narcissist from your email accounts, um, your Facebook account, messengers, all of these things, block them entirely from everything that every way they can connect with you, um, virtually. Okay. Um, and do not stalk their Facebook account or their Twitter or their Instagram or anything else because that's only going to serve to cause you more pain and they will use it against you. Um, so stick with that. Okay. 
Get yourself a no contact buddy in case there are legal issues like, you know, divorce or anything like that. And so if the narcissist is to send you any mail through the, the mail, um, have a trusted friend or family member or neighbor open the mail for you and look at it. If it is not related to a legal issue or something you need to handle, then go ahead and just toss it and don't read it. Okay. Um, again, this will prevent the narcissist from hoovering you will prevent, you know, which is sucking you back in. Cause a lot of times they'll, they'll create drama in order to suck in their victims again. Um, so just stay clear of the mail and have someone read it first, unless it is, you know, and if it is not a legal issue that you need to deal with, then don't read it. It's also related to social media. Um, so what you want to do is you want to, you know, in addition to blocking the narcissist, you want to make sure that the narcissist does not um, send you a friend request under a fake account that, that they may be using to stalk you or get closer to you again. So make sure that you do not accept friend requests from people who you don't know and from people who have just established their accounts and have either a fake looking picture or a no picture at all account. Okay. Don't accept friend requests from strangers or brand new accounts. Number six, realize that going no contact is probably going to be one of the hardest things you've ever done in your life. So be prepared for, to be strong, be prepared to deal with the narcissist trying to suck you back in and get you back in his clutches again. Okay. And realize that if you do allow him or her to get back in your life, that you're very quickly going to be dealing with the same thing you were dealing with before. So make sure that it's worth it to you. If you decide to take a narcissist back, honestly, there's just absolutely no evidence that a narcissist is capable of long-term change. So keep that in mind as you're going through this. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. Number seven, don't let the narcissist um, fool you into thinking that you're missing out. Okay. A lot of times, and don't let yourself feel overwhelmed by the the fact that, you know, um, like you say, if the narcissist is the one who dumps you and you decide to go no contact, um, don't allow yourself to feel like, oh, I wish I was the one who could have broken up with him or her. I wish I could have been the one, you know, to make the cut. Sometimes we just have to suck it up and take it and just be grateful that they moved on and made our lives easier. And as you all know, so often when they do move on, they come right back and within, you know, they do the hoovering, they do the love bombing, and then you're right back in the middle again with the same shit you were dealing with before. So try to avoid that by staying strong and not allowing them to, um, suck you back in and not allowing your own emotions to get the best of you. Uh, because often when we do go no contact, we, we tend to forget some of the worst things that they put us through, especially when they start hoovering us. So keep that in mind. Number eight, don't continue to focus on the narcissist and the abuse that you received during the relationship. Instead, start to focus on your own healing and your own life. Um, you have been in a position to be oppressed for so long that you may not even really know who you are anymore. So take the time to figure that out right now. Take the time to start doing things that you stopped doing because you were with the narcissist or things you never did because of the narcissist and, and enjoy your life. Be excited about it. Try to focus on what you have and not what you don't have. Focus on what you can control and not what you can't control. Okay. And what you can't control, my friend, is the narcissist. So just remember that. Focus on you now, not the narcissist. Okay. Number 10, if you are in um, or getting out of a relationship with a narcissist that involved uh, legal connections, such as um, finding your own, um, you know, if you need to worry about money, you need to worry about bank accounts, you need to worry about divorce, you need to worry about bills, things like that. Set all this stuff up. Set this stuff up mm -hmm. in advance if you can. Set aside as much money as you can. 
um, you know, talk to people that can help you to get reestablished if you're moving or figure out, you know, what the legal issues are surrounding kicking the narcissist out of the house. Um, you know, document everything that happens. Keep your head in the game. Remember that going no contact with the narcissist is going to be painful. It's going to be difficult, but in, within within a short period of time, it will be completely worth it to you. So this is something that you can also consider. So stay focused, keep your head in the game, prepare as much as possible. Okay. Okay. So there's my list for today. What would you add? What would you add for other people who might be going no contact? And if, if you've been no contact before, you've gone no contact, what tips would you offer to my viewers? I may use them in a future video as well. Okay. Thank you, everybody, and have a wonderful weekend. Um, as, as we all know, this is kind of a long holiday weekend, so some of us might be struggling with um, having to deal with the narcissist for long extended periods of time. So if you're dealing with that today, know that I'm with you in spirit. Know that um, you're not alone. Know that if you need people to talk to, you can visit SPAN, which is Support for People Affected by Narcissism, my free online support group. And you can learn more about that at queenbeing.com slash SPAN, S-P-A-N. All right. Thanks, everyone, and have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for letting me be a part of your life today and a part of your recovery. Good morning, survivors, and happy Sunday. You know, today is self-love Sunday, so let's get started. I'm going to make it quick today. I've got one tip for you. One thing that you can do if you really want to go no contact and you're too scared to do it, I'm going to tell you what it is. Let's get started. So yesterday I was talking with a client who had an emergency appointment, and one of the things she said to me really stuck out in my head. She was really struggling with going no contact with someone. And it turns out that when she made a statement to someone else in her life who would force her to be accountable, it was easier for her to get it done. And then I thought back to the time when, you know, when I left my narcissist, I thought, you know, there were different catalysts for it. But what it all came down to is ultimately, in both cases, I told someone, I'm going to do this. And it was someone whose opinion I valued and someone who would kind of help me go on through it. So... If there's someone in your life who you could say to this person, I need to leave this person, I leave, need to leave this narcissist in order to be safe and happy, that person's probably going to help you make sure you do it. You need to find someone who you feel obligated to follow through for and do it. Whether it's your kids or it's your your mom if uh, you know, or your, your best friend or somebody, you need to tell somebody that you're going to do it. And that's something that we, we're isolated a lot in narcissistic abuse. And so when you can finally make the choice to pick up the phone and tell the person that will help you get through it, sometimes that's the thing. Sometimes we need a big thing to push us through to the end because it's so easy for us to fall back into the narcissistic abuse over and over again. Something to think about. So if today you're struggling with needing to go and not being able to go, tell someone. Tell someone who will help you push through. Honestly, I think that's why some people hire me for coaching, because they don't have someone in their life that can do that. But I've seen a lot of successive people going through the SPAN group doing the same thing. Um, a lot of SPAN members join the group for the purpose of getting support to get through no, no contact. So if you can't afford coaching, you know, join SPAN, queenbeing.com slash SPAN. It's free. It's confidential. Um, if you want coaching, hit NarcissismSupportCoach.com uh, for my free five-day email course or hit NarcissisticAbuseRecovery.online to be connected to my appointment system. All right, um, I'll have all those links in the com um, in the des description below as well. I'm going to close up for now. I'm going to make it a fast video this week because it's been a long week and I have a lot of things to do still. Um, but I just wanted to touch base with you guys and give you a little tip for loving yourselves a little more. Now, if you're already 
out of the relationship, kudos. And I would ask you to think of right now 10 things you love about yourself and three things, wait a minute, wait a minute, 10 things you're grateful for and three things you love about yourself. But hey, I'm not going to be mad if you think of 10 things you love about yourself. That's amazing. Do that too. All right, guys. Have a wonderful day. I'll see you tomorrow for more videos. All right? Hugs, love, and thanks for being part of my life. Hey there, it's Angie Atkinson with QueenBeing.com and today we're going to talk about one of these topics, one of the many topics that was handed to me by my span group and today's topic is what do you do if you see your narcissist in public after you've gone no contact? Let's get started. Alright, so here we go. Bottom line, it's just so simple. First of all, you don't know how the person's going to react, so think ahead. Plan ahead. Decide what it is that you're going to do when you see your narcissist and then do it when you see him or her. Okay, so something I tell my clients is, you know, to write down two or three sentences that you think would be appropriate to say to your narcissist when or if you happen to run into them if you are forced to talk to them. Okay, ideally you don't want to draw attention to yourself if you see the narcissist. Um, now in a normal breakup you might want to just walk over and say, hey, how you doing? Are you okay? Is life good for you? Blah, blah, blah. But in a breakup with a narcissist it's a whole different ball of wax and you know that. There's a reason you went no contact with this person, right? And this is true if you're dealing with a, um, you know, a parent or, or a, a you know, family member or a former boss or a former coworker or a former friend. Anyone that you've had to go no contact with who's, you know, a narcissist of a toxic nature is someone you're going to have to do this with, okay? So, again, don't engage the person unless, you know, unless you're forced to. Don't draw attention to yourself. Do whatever you can to, you know, if you need to leave the party early, go ahead and do it. Don't put yourself in harm's way, and I mean emotionally or physically, okay? If you are forced to speak with the narcissist, do so as dryly as possible. Don't get into any heavy topics, and if the narcissist tries to do that, then you say, you know what, we'll have to talk about that later, or whatever it is that you can say. Stay gray rock meaning you don't give the narcissist any emotional reaction because I promise you my friend that's what they want whether it's you cry because you have you know you haven't seen him in so long or it's you know that you get angry because they they trigger something in you or or you you know you get scared whatever don't give them any reaction even if you feel something inside of yourself don't give the narcissist the pleasure of seeing it because what's gonna happen if you do that is you're actually going to feed him or her more okay the narcissist is going to get supply from you if he or she can get a reaction from you. You feel me? Don't give them the reaction that they want. Because if you can avoid that, you know, you maintain the power. All right? Remember, you're in control. This is your life now. You're not with that person anymore. Whether it was your choice or not, it's your life now and it's time for you to take back your life, take back your power and start to decide how it's going to happen. Okay? So do me a favor. Take a few minutes after you finish this video or pause it and then come right back and write down two or three things that you you know you might want to say to your narcissist if you have to if you have to speak to him or her you know um, you might want to have a, a line regarding no contact you know I've gone no contact with you because I simply need to stay healthy in my life and when I'm around you I don't feel very healthy there you go whatever you want to say okay alright so 
if you can do that, write down those three things and they come up with, you know, uh, m memorize them. And so if, if you are in a position to, you know, where you have to speak to the narcissist, you know, because you have been spotted and they have, you know, cornered you and you have no choice but to speak to him or her, you, you, you do employ the grave rock method and then you simply say your three or four sentences or two or three sentences that you have created for this purpose and nothing more. Okay, you can answer politely. You don't have to be rude, um, but you certainly are within your rights if you have the strength to do it to just turn and walk away. You aren't required to speak to the narcissist. And, um, you know, if you've been under any sort of physical attack or abuse by the narcissist, then, you know, you might want to go ahead and get a restraining order if, if they're still bothering you in your life or if you know if you fear whether they're physically or mentally abusive if you fear for your safety because of what you've gone through with them and you keep running into them this is a whole other issue okay I'm talking about the times that you've run into someone innocently in public okay so all right now since I know that's really hard and I know that when especially if you see him or her with a new supply which you know a new, it's gonna be even harder um, I'm gonna go ahead and share with you the next steps here okay so these are the top 10 ways that you can help yourself move on after you've gone through this type of a relationship. All right. Okay. <laughs> so we all know that, you know, going through a narcissistic relationship is very painful in the first place. Okay. And we also know that any relationship breaking, you know, ending is difficult, whether you're ending a relationship with a parent or you know, a spouse or a child or a neighbor or a boss, anybody who you're dealing with on a regular basis who is no longer going to be part of your life because of their own horrible behavior, uh, you know, is someone that you may run into and may find yourself feeling uncomfortable, okay? So obviously, in many cases, people will just rebound into another relationship. You know, <laughs> we all know why they're called rebound relationships. They don't last. And, um, you know, if they do, in the case of someone who's been abused by a narcissist, it actually could not, it could be for the worse. Uh, because you very, very easily could fall in with another narcissist. Okay. So if I'm you at this point, I'm going to take advantage of your new freedom. Okay. By taking a minute away from that stuff and learning from the past and recreating your life. You know, a breakup, a divorce, whatever, it can ultimately be a positive experience, especially when you're getting away from a narcissist. Not only are you stronger than most people when you do that, get through that, but you know, you can actually take some time now to decide what you want your life to look like and spend some time turning it into that. You know, I took, um, gosh, it was just a little over a year to, you know, um, I, I kind of decided to myself because I left my ex-husband and I waited three months to file for divorce and then it took another nine months for the divorce to go through. And so, so I guess I thought, you know, well, I'm going to wait until after I get divorced legally. And it certainly wasn't anything to do with being faithful to my husband in that case, because I wasn't even living with him at that point. Uh, it was simply because I wanted to keep my own head clear and straight. And, and I wanted to figure out who I was again, because I really didn't know. You know what I'm saying? So just a little tip from me to you. Uh, anyway, so if I'm you, I'm going to try to learn from my failed relationship clear my head, prepare myself for my future, whether that's with a partner or, you know, uh, new family members or, or whatever, you know, sometimes your, your friends kind of become your family, right? So step number one, make sure you learn from it. 
every failed relationship, good or bad, is going to provide at least one significant lesson. And y'all know when we're dealing with a narcissist, there are like about a hundred significant lessons or a gazillion, you know what I'm saying? But in your case, you know, you want to kind of choose two or three significant lessons that you learned, plus start educating yourself on narcissism and narcissistic personality disorder so that you can avoid this in the future, okay? Um, relationships, you know, in general fail because, you know, you made a bad choice in partner or a partner made a bad choice in you. And in this case, it wasn't really your fault. You kind of got sucked in by someone who pretended to be something they really weren't. And you probably thought you had met your soulmate. And, you know, here you were <laughs> one day, shock upon shock, and all of it came crashing down around you, right? So, like I said, do your research, figure out where you went wrong, figure out what you need to look for, what are the red flag signs, I'll put a little link up there for you about that, uh, you know, and if you never, uh, you know, repeated any of your relationship er errors, if you could like, you know, take, 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 you know, take stock of all the ones that you've made and, 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 and you could, you know, be guaranteed to find the right person, it would be so easy, right? But, you know, life doesn't always go that way. So, Take, a, take your time. Use the first few weeks to think about, you know, the relationship that you just got out of and consider what made it toxic and what you can do to avoid that in the future, okay? Um, you know, number two, let go. Um, unless there are children involved, go no contact. I mean, just do it. Resist the tendency to accidentally run into them if you can. And, you know, Make sure you steer clear of the places that you know they'll be when you know they'll be there. You know their schedule, you know what I'm saying? Don't send late night text messages, drunk texts, or any of that stuff. And don't stalk them on Facebook. You know what? Instead of stalking, <laughs> I say block them on Facebook, block them on Instagram, block them on, you know, Twitter, Snapchat, all those things. Take them off your social media accounts. It's just temptation for you to fall back into your old bad habits. And, you know, I hate to put it the way I'm about to put it, but like we've talked about before, you know, um, it's almost like a drug. So be aware, okay? So take anything that reminds you of that person, box it up and throw it out, put it in the garage, whatever, get it out of your house, out of your, out of your eyesight anyway, okay? Just a tip. Number three, <sighs> forgive, all right? We've talked about this a little bit before, but here's how it goes. You know, in, in a normal relationship that ends um, for, for, you know, mutual reasons or, you know, normal incompatibility issues or whatever, there's a whole other ball of wax. But when we're talking about a toxic relationship, it's incredibly hard to forgive somebody. I've told this story once before. I'm going to tell it real quick again. But uh, there was a time in my life when I had a situation with a with a person I was, you know, dealing with, uh, a narcissist who was actually just mostly on a platonic level, except that this person tried to take it beyond that. Uh, but anyway, um, at that time, I found myself feeling very angry and feeling like I, I, you know, I, after I got out of the situation and I went no contact, I, I had this leftover anger in the back of my head. And so what I did was, you know, I, I, I actually wrote the person a letter and I ended up tearing, you know, I actually burnt the letter when I was finished, but I, I initially I intended to send it to them and I wrote it down and I, I wrote down everything that I had in my head and my heart and all the bad words I wanted to say and all the horrible things that I felt and thought and I put them down on paper and then I burned the paper and then I felt better. Um, I have suggested this to clients and they have found some peace in it. Another thing that's actually been working well for people um, and it was suggested by one of my clients because I made a video with the members of the SPAN group um, where I we did I think it was 103 things you no longer have to deal with when you um, go no contact with a narcissist, so I'll put that up there for you. Uh, but anyway, when you do that, um, if you watch that video, you know, what, what my 
people have been doing is they've been writing down things they don't have to deal with when they go no contact with a narcissist. It's good stuff. All right. So don't, you know, just because you forgive the narcissist doesn't mean that they are forgiven. It just, it doesn't mean that, that you're forgetting. And it doesn't mean that you have to tell them. This is not for them. It's for you. You feel me? Because once you are past the point of having to take action to leave them, now you're to the point where you need to put your, you know, put your intention toward moving forward in your own life. And if you don't release that, that pain by forgiving that person, you can't move forward. You feel me? All right. Number four, take care of yourself. You know, it's so easy to like not take showers, sit in front of the TV in your sweats and your scrunchies or baseball hats, whatever. Avoid the gym, you know, all those things. Um, but the fact is that it's important to keep taking care of yourself, maybe more now than ever. So, you know, take your shower girl, guy, whatever, spend time with your friends, maintain your normal routine. Okay. Um, in fact, if you're me, like if you're like me, you probably want to step it up a little bit. You know, why not get a new hair color if you're female or go out and, you know, if you're a guy, take your sister out and have her help you pick out some new clothes so that you can feel freshened up and get a new haircut, shave a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Change your look up. It, it really does change your, your whole perspective sometimes. All right. Number five, get your life in order. This is a great time to shore up bad stuff, you know, figure out what it is that's not working, what is working and you know, switch it up. Now, right now you're in a time of transition anyway. So take, you know, focus on, like I said, focus on where you want your life to go from here because you get to pick. It's your choice. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I think so. Anyway, so if you hate your job, find a new one. If you don't have a job, find a job that you like, not just a job. Make sure your money, you know, your finances are in order. Um, get in shape. Feel good about your life before and yourself before you start dating again. So I guess my, my bottom line is, get your life in order. It's, it's, it's a process. And if you have been in a position where you have been, um, you know, so oppressed by so many people for so long, you know, you, it's going to be a process for you, honey. You're, you're going to have to take a minute. Don't, don't beat yourself up about it. You got time, you know, get your life in order. Take some time to decide what you want your life to look like and start working toward that. All right. Okay. You know, remember, when you're ready to start dating, you definitely want to have a great life to share with that person, right? rather than finding someone to fill in the gaps and solve all the challenges in your life. You got to fix your life first because A, you're going to be a much more attractive partner if you do that. And B, if you do find someone who's willing to come in and fill up all the gaps and rush in to make everything all better for you, you know what you're dealing with, right? Potentially a narcissist because remember, narcissists, one of the biggest red flags of narcissists in, you know, early in a relationship is that they jump right in with both feet. They say the L word too soon. You know, they love bomb you. They tell you you're amazing. They put you up on a pedestal. They make you feel like nothing can hold you down. And then when you finally, you know, jump, you know, into it with both arms and your whole heart, you know, inevitably you're smacked down by the, the cold hand of reality, which is, you know, <laughs> The, the love bombing ends and now you go through the devalue and the discard and all the other stuff. It's just, it's, it's exhausting and nobody wants that. So why, you know, do, do your best to avoid that in the future, right? So that, that's why you take the time to do what you need to do. All right. Number six. So let's say, you know, you're still living in the same house that, that you lived in with the narcissist, but the narcissist moved out. Or let's say that you've got a new place um, and, you know, you're just not feeling it, right? Well, now's the time to kind of change it up, you know, create a whole new environment for yourself, make it yours, move the furniture around, buy a gallon of paint, redo the dining room, you know, give yourself a fresh start. And something I tell my clients is, you know what, you know, as you're about to move into your new place, take a minute and 
pick up your, you know, go, go to Pier 1 or go to the, you know, the Goodwill or the Salvation Army or, you know, Walmart if you really want to. I mean, any any place that sells pretties, you know, little nicky-necky things and, you know, find yourself something beautiful and it doesn't have to be expensive. Find yourself something beautiful that makes you smile when you see it, that makes your heart feel warm, kind of jump a little bit and, and put it in your new home and make it yours, you know. Um, one object can often be enough to kind of help you, you know, stay focused. And, you know, I, I, I was, gosh, I was 23 years old and a single mom and I was kind of broke as a joke when I, when I became a single mom and, you know, after I got divorced. And so I went to Pier 1 and I bought this $7 candle holder. I still have it on my entryway table now, uh, which I did not have an entryway table then, obviously, but, <laughs> uh, but I bought it and it absolutely was, you know, a transitional object for me. It was beautiful. I loved it. It made my heart smile. And I recommend it to my clients. I say, you know what, go pick yourself up something pretty that makes you feel like it, it's yours. And, and put it in your home in a place where you can see it. And every time you see it, think of it, you know, it, you know, think of the fact that you get to run your life now, you control your life, you got to take back your life. And that's kind of amazing. You know, something to think about. <laughs> Alrighty, number seven, find a new hobby. Now, you know there's something you've always wanted to do, but you never did because you never thought you could or you never thought your narcissist would let you. Guess what, honey? Now's the perfect time to do it, okay? One of my clients has this amazing singing voice. <sighs> anyway, you know who you are, girl. Um, <laughs> and she is now, I'm so excited, I'm hoping that she's really going to move into actually trying to produce some of her, more of her music. Um, so that's really exciting for her. But you could do something like that, you know, if you're into music. Or maybe you want to take a pottery class, buy a violin, or pull out your old clarinet. Or maybe you want to join a bowling league. You can meet some cool people there. Uh, you know, do something different. Add something new and fun to your life. You know, something that was always a love for me was painting. And when I was dealing with my narcissist, I stopped painting entirely. And uh, when I, you know, when I found myself free again I the creative juice came right back out and it was amazing so you know and of course I've always written and I've always done these things but you know find a creative pursuit or you know learn to play golf or like join a basketball team or you know whatever go just go do something you know go to one of those mall walk clubs or something or you know go dancing with your girlfriends at a real club <laughs> whatever have fun get out change it up do something different than you usually do and especially if there's a hobby that you've always wanted to do or, or a passion that you've always wanted to pursue, now's the time, okay? You were held back for so long by the narcissist and you deserve to be happy. And one of the things that's going to make you happy is to find that thing in yourself that makes your heart sing, the thing that makes you get up out of bed in the morning, excited to wake up for your day. Do you know that every single day I get out of bed excited to wake up for my day because I love what I do so much? You can have that too, my friend. It's not that hard. I mean, okay, it's hard. It's work. But it's not work in the respect of, you know, like you're working at a factory or something. It's it's work that matters to you. And so it feels more like a mission, more like you're doing something that's, you know, you're divinely driven to do. I don't know. It feels good to me. And I think most people, you know, whether it's a hobby or, or a, a passion or whatever, they can do it. All right, moving along. Number eight, look. Enjoy being single, my friend. <laughs> there are serious disadvantages to being in a relationship, and I bet you 10 bucks you could probably list them all right now, okay? <laughs> and especially when that relationship is toxic, okay? So if I'm you, like I said before, don't start a new relationship right away. Enjoy your freedom. Spend more time with your friends and your family. Do things you haven't done in a long time. Get reconnected with the people in your life that are important to you, that matter to you outside of the narcissist, the people that you were disconnected from during that relationship, because you know 
there are people like that in your life. Maybe you need to reach back out to them. Maybe this is an important time for you to sort of reconnect with people, find some new people to connect with. Check out my video last week I did about um, making new friends after you and the relationship with a narcissist. I'll try to remember to put that up there for you as well. All right. Number nine, make a list. Oh, make a list of what you'd like in a potential partner. All right, I've said this to my clients too. When you start to think you're ready for dating again, start really deciding what you're looking for. You know, I always tell people it's like, like they say in the secret, you know, order it up from the universe. You know, oh, here's a catalog, write down what you want. And, and you know, uh, so, you know, I, I did this when I met my husband. I sat down and I wrote a list of all the things that I wanted in, in a relationship and in a man when I was ready. And, and I just put it away and forgot about it. And it actually worked out pretty well. I pretty much got what I wanted, but just be really, really specific on your list. <laughs> just play it. No, I'm not. Be specific. Think about your past relationships. Put together a, a description of what you want in a new partner. Start looking, but avoid, you know, uh, you know stick to your list of requirements. Don't fall into old patterns, but make sure that your requirements are not ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Like like in that movie Practical Magic, you know, she's like, um, he has to have one green eye, one blue eye, those kinds of things. You know, that's not really legit. What 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 I'm if I'm you, I'm gonna focus. I mean, obviously you wanna be physically attracted to your partner if you're if it's a, a romantic relationship, but in addition to, you know, and so if you have certain, you know, uh un unex uh, if you have certain required limits for that person, certainly write those down, okay? Uh, but but write down the, the types of qualities that you want in them, that th things that are, you know, that mean something, right? Things that once the looks fade and go away, will still be there. You know, you want somebody who listens to you, right? You want someone who actually hears you and who isn't pretending to be someone they're not. You want someone who's honest with you and, and yet also sensitive to your feelings. Sensitive. And they need to have empathy, Okay, those are some really quick, you know, quick and dirties that you can do to, to, you know, do they have empathy? Do they always talk about themselves and never listen to you when you talk about yourself? Do they get bored when you speak? Do they listen, grunt, and not respond? You know, look for those red flags, my friend. Take it slow. That's number 10. Take it slow. When you find a potential match, enjoy them. There's no rush. The fact of the matter is, you know, that when you're dealing with someone, when you're getting into a relationship with a new partner, you know, the fact that they're willing to be patient and to wait for you speaks so much of their intention, okay? And a narcissist will almost never be willing to wait for anyone, at least not for long, unless, of course, they're, you know, trying to work that person into some sort of personal challenge of theirs but understand this if that's happening that narcissist is not waiting for you they're still out there dating other people you're just a little side project okay don't let yourself be that you're worth more than that don't you think I do alright so listen moving on after a toxic relationship is painful it's horrible it's rough however there are so many silver linings to that cloud okay biggest one being now you get to decide what happens from here on out and the second biggest one being, you get to decide who you are. That's freaking amazing, my friend. You literally get to decide who you are, okay? For so long, you have been defined by someone else, and now you get to be defined by solely you, all right? So look, this is the perfect time for you to examine yourself, make positive changes in your life, and there's really no reason for you to hurry up and, and find a new person to be with, okay? Please take your time. Move on from the past before you jump into a new relationship because that is only going to cause you more pain, okay? Give yourself the time you need to find yourself again, heal, find yourself some sort of a hobby, something that makes you feel good, something that feels good to you. Spend time with your kids if you have them, spend time with your friends, the ones that you're 
narcissist drove you away from all those years. Spend time with your family that your narcissist drove you away from. If you want to, whatever it is that feels good to you, do that. Avoid the narcissist if you can. If you must run into the narcissist or you accidentally run into the narcissist, keep it low key. Avoid speaking if you if you're able to, if you're forced to speak to the narcissist, keep it keep an even keel. Gray Rockham only respond yes and no, you know, to yes or no questions like yes or no answers, short as possible, no emotion, no reaction. That's the best way to go. All right. Okay, I hope I've answered your question. If you have additional questions about this topic or if you want to offer advice to someone who has been in the you know, someone who might be in the situation right now for for, you know, advice that worked for you, please leave me that information in the comments. I would love it if you would share your thoughts because I say this all the time, but every now and then, you know, a comment can change a person's life. I mean, how amazing would it be if you could just leave a comment and change a person's life? I love it. All right. I'm wrapping up for now. So let me just real quick hit up queenbeing.com right there if you would like to have uh, more information about narcissism, narcissistic abuse recovery, or um, narcissistic personality disorder. All right. Hit up uh, right here. You boom, boom. You can hit up. Um, NarcissismSupportCoach.com and right there that will um, take you to my free five-day email course as well as information about my coaching programs and then if you hit up BooksAngieWrote.com uh, that'll take you right to my Amazon page where there are 20 different books that I've written four of which are specifically focused on this topic all of which are written from the perspective of someone who had to turn her life around after narcissistic abuse and I think they'll help you so take a look and um, I'll see you tomorrow. Have a great week. Thank you so much. Hey guys, it's Angie Atkinson and today at QueenBeing.com we're going to talk about hoovering, what it is, and how you can deal with it if it happens to you. Let's get started. Okay, so you know how it's always hard to deal with a narcissist. And that's true whether you're still in the toxic relationship with them or if you've recently left one. But due to a narcissist's behaviors and patterns, there are times when we find ourselves feeling weak, almost powerless to resist their charms, even when we know better. One of those times, of course, is during the narcissistic hoovering phase, and that's why we're talking about hoovering and how you can deal with it. So, what is hoovering anyway? Well, the hoovering technique is one that was named after a famous vacuum cleaner company. Y'all know which one I'm talking about, right? And it's one of the many uh, common manipulation tactics that is employed by abusive toxic narcissists. It's when the narcissist sort of sucks his victim back into the relationship or some version of it. And it often begins innocently enough, right? So kind of subtly and it always happens with one target in mind and that is of course to regain control of the narcissistic supply that's you my friend yeah so I'm gonna provide you with kind of a simple and funny example of hoovering that will kind of give you an idea of what it really looks like and maybe help you to kind of look at it in your own life okay so this is Charlie Brown okay how Charlie Brown and 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 Lucy you know Lucy right how, this is how they can demonstrate this kind of um, technique or tactic. So let's just do it. Remember in the Charlie Brown cartoon and the Peanuts cartoons when Lucy would always hold the the ball, the football for Charlie Brown, and every time she would he would try to kick it, she'd pull it away and he'd 
fall right on his head. And when he'd fall, she'd smile like there was no tomorrow, actually enjoying his pain, right? Well, Charlie Brown, of course, would do what any other kid would, and that's he'd stop trusting her to hold the ball. But inevitably, Lucy would promise each time that this time she would really let him kick the ball. And inevitably, he'd fall for it. And also inevitably, the woman, the girl, would pull it away at the last second, and then she'd bust out that big toothy smile again just as he fell. One more time. Yeah, hoovering, that's it. It usually begins after the devalue and discard phases, when the silent treatment has stopped giving the narcissist pleasure. And when he's ready for more, he or she is ready for more of that supply that you've been feeding them for all these months or years. Or it'll start after you've left your narcissist and he or she fears you won't return. The idea is that the narcissist needs to reestablish contact with you in order to get the narcissistic supply that you've proven to be so good at providing. And of course it's a dangerous tactic. I mean, once he gets his foot in the door or she gets her foot in the door, you'll often find yourself being love-bombed and hearing promises of brighter days ahead. But just like poor little Charlie Brown, you're bound to fall again. So with that in mind, let's let's talk about some ways you can deal with a narcissist hoovering. I've got 10 of them for you, all right? How do you deal with being hoovered? Well, if you're still stuck in the relationship, you might just let it happen. I mean, after all, it doesn't suck that much while it's going on, right? But But if you do, you need to put a few safeguards in place. First, don't take the bait, because if you do, you may end up allowing the narcissist to cross your boundaries and you'll end up settling for less than you really deserve. Plus, you don't want to allow yourself to start doing things that you wouldn't normally do, and you definitely don't want to stop taking care of yourself in order to take care of the narcissist's needs. That's exactly what they want. And most importantly, you don't want to give up your own independence during this time, especially if you just recently gained it. Okay, But in general, I'm going to give you some guidelines here, and this is these are the best ways to cope with hoovering by following these guidelines, okay? So number one, do not let your boundaries be changed or broken during the hoovering phase. It's too easy to give in during this phase. Don't do it. Number two, if you've put safeguards or consequences in place due to the narcissist's bad decisions, you need to keep those in place even during hoovering and especially during hoovering, okay? Number three, know that this phase will end and you'll be back to normal status, normal status, with the narcissist at some point. Look at previous patterns for an idea on how long it might last. Make a special effort, this is number four, make a special effort to maintain your healthy activities and relationships and even increase engagement with these healthy situations in order to strengthen your recovery efforts because that's you know the narcissist is actually trying to prevent you from recovering from the abuse that you've been subjected to by hoovering you okay number five a lot of times we use hoovering to bargain with our narcissists this is not productive you know we try to create positive change in our relationships whether they're current relationships or their co-parenting relationships or whatever we try to use these times to create positive change in our relationships because during this time, narcissists seem so receptive, more so than usual anyway, to our requests. And the unfortunate thing is it never lasts. And so you've got to understand that most of the time, any positive change that is created during this time will be short-lived. And you're really only setting yourself up for disappointment by engaging yourself with that. Okay? Number six, also keep in mind that as big of a jerk as the person can be, a narcissist is someone who has a personality disorder. Mood swings, rapidly changing ideals, etc., all a big part of that. So there is an actual 
you know, I want to say disability there, but I don't know that disability is the right word, but there's a problem. There's a disorder. Okay, so number seven, remember that knowledge is power. Educate yourself about NPD and make an effort to understand what you're really dealing with because a lot of times understanding leads right to overcoming the issue. Uh, you're already on the right path for that because you're sitting here watching this video right now, so good for you. All right, next up, number eight. Uh, don't allow yourself to depend on the narcissist emotionally, okay? Because we all know they're going to disappoint you every single time. And this is especially true when it matters the most to you, okay? The hoovering phase can cloud your judgment and might even end up setting your, you know, you could even end up setting yourself up for some real emotional devastation, you know, if you allow your narcissist to lull you into a false sense of security and intimacy. Number nine. If you have been physically abused and the hoovering is an attempt to make you forget it, don't. Get some help instead because quite honestly your life might depend on it my friend. So check out the emergency uh, domestic violence page on queenbeing.com or reach out to your local authorities. Um, you know, do something. Uh, don't waste a minute because you really need to take care of yourself and I'm not joking when I say that your life literally could depend on it. Okay. Finally, number 10. Understand this deal for what it is. The narcissist does not love you, and I'm sorry to have to break it to you. The narcissist just isn't capable of love. It's not your fault. It's the narcissist's fault, okay? In fact, at this point, you've just become a little a pawn in the game that the narcissist is playing. And it's time that you get off the roller coaster, my friend, as soon as you can. Go no contact or low contact if you can, and if you can't, you know, completely cut all contact, well then at least try the gray rock method to, to minimize the damage, okay? The bottom line is that the one thing that you can count on with a narcissist is that they don't change. They might get better at hiding their true selves for a while and they might pretend to change for a while just to get you back, but they certainly don't ever actually change. So in a moment here I'm going to explain to you exactly what I mean by that, alright? All right, so here's a fact. If you've been involved with a narcissist in any way, which I suspect you have if you're still here watching this video, you probably hoped at one time or another that you could change him or her enough that you could somehow develop a healthier relationship, and that's probably another reason you might be here watching this video, but I just want to clear some things up for you really quick. You know, uh, a while back a reader um, asked me kind of a, a serious question, and 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 it really struck home with me okay she said you know what my girlfriend has the silent treatment mashed with the pathologically lying mashed with being unemotional mashed with previously uncommitted even though she told me she never cheated on a mate mashed with a bunch of other garbage is there any way to get through this crap and be together in the future or am I just kidding myself I mean seriously hit me with it I can take it does a person like this ever really want to get better do they ever take the step of getting help or do words really mean crap when it comes to this stuff she's told me time and time again that she would fix it and get help but has yet to do anything how about that have you been there alright well my first thought after I read the question was basically hmm, well, maybe it's possible for a narcissist to change, but I've never seen it happen, right? But here's the thing. 
Whether or not it's possible for a narcissist to change might be debatable. Um, the question is whether or not he or she is willing to change, right? And the answer, in my experience, is almost inevitably, hell no, they're not willing to change. They think they're perfect as they are. But that's because nine times out of ten, you know, the narcissist does not see a problem with his or her behavior and then blames issues that they do have on everyone around them rather than, I don't know, looking inside for answers, right? Okay, so even so, I'm not the be-all, end-all authority on this. Nobody is, right? I'm just a researcher, a life coach, author, and of course someone who has experienced life with a narcissist on, unfortunately, more than one occasion. Uh, but I decided, you know what? I don't know everything. I'm going to go ahead and do some research so I can get a totally solid answer here, right? So this is where it gets ha hairy, <laughs> as you could probably imagine. Uh, there are various schools of thoughts on this, and there's no one answer, but I'm going to share with you what some experts say about this topic, all right? So let's start with, excuse me, my nose is itchy. Let's start with Craig Macklin, uh, Mal Malkin, I'm sorry, Craig Malkin, PhD, um, and something he said about a narcissist in a Psychology Today article. Okay, Dr. Malkin says, I'm going to go on record as saying, yes, I do believe it's possible for people to change, even if they've been diagnosed with something as deeply entrenched and formidable as a personality disorder. And, you know, Malkin went on to say that, the key to changing is the way you handle your interactions with a narcissist. Now, let me just point out here that this is once again really um, you changing and not the narcissist, but I'm going to go ahead and finish telling you what Dr. Malkin says. He says the key to interacting with someone you suspect is a narcissist is to break the vis vicious circle. He says gently thwart their efforts to control, distance, defend, or blame in the relationship by sending the message that you're more than willing to connect with them but not on these terms to invite them to a version of intimacy where they can be loved and admired warts and all if they only allow the experience to happen what do you think about that one um, I, I, I like Dr. Malkin I think he's got some great ideas I don't agree with him on this one okay moving right along Dr. Lynn, Lynn Namka, who is a psychologist, says that some narcissists can change. She says those with milder forms of the so-called disease. And she says they need to be worried that they could lose, in order to change, they need to be worried that they could lose someone or something they love. Okay, I do think there's something to Dr. Namka's uh, theory here. Some, she says, have to undergo a humbling experience or a great emotional loss before they start to admit their defensiveness and inability to care, uh, you know, for their, to take responsibility for their actions. She says as they grow older, some start to notice their insensitivity when they're dealing with those people around them, and some start to feel healthy guilt about their past actions. Guilt, while painful if handled correctly, can be a breakthrough emotion that sets the person on a path to a happier life, she says. She adds that the milder narcissistic defense may soften across life if a person achieves a stable home and work environment or if he or, he or she has a big setback where the rug is pulled out from under them, creating a crack in their defenses. Then again, she says some narcissists will just get worse if they're forced to their knees after being rejected, failing or otherwise becoming disillusioned and not getting the support they need. Now, I do believe that this is possible if, if, if it's a person who doesn't actually have NPD, someone who just maybe has narcissistic tendencies. Um, and I think in those cases, you're going to be dealing with someone who grew up with a narcissistic parent and who doesn't yet know um, 
that they grew up in a toxic household and so they're going to behave like their parents. Now as soon as they realize it, a healthy person may choose to change their ways and that's the only time I think that's really going to work for you. But let's move on and, and, and find out what other people say. <laughs> All right, uh, Melanie Tanya Evans, who you, you probably already know, she's a well-known narcissism expert. She says that maybe it's possible but it's highly unlikely. Uh, and like me, Evans says she's actually never seen it happen. Look, me either. I just said it. Um, <laughs> she says, I've never heard of one credible case of a person operating at this level, admitting their inner woundedness and doing the inner work and healing. And she says, I don't for one millisecond believe that cognitive therapy would even touch the edges. Namka, though, Dr. Namka added that people with severe narcissistic traits have limited emotional intelligence and tons of psychological defenses that get in the way of recovery. Ding, ding, ding. I agree. Uh, she says they're unable to see the depth of their pathology and, you know, that they know their shortcomings would send them into great shame, which would trigger depression. Yeah, I can dig that. All right. So how about you? Um, what do you think? Have you experienced hoovering before? How did you deal with it? Do you think a narcissist can change? Have you ever seen a narcissist successfully change? I want to talk about this. So if you would, please take a minute and write down there, share your thoughts and your experiences in the comments. You never know who you can help by sharing something that happened to you or something you thought about or something you've been through in this situation. Okay. Um, and before I go, also, if you would please hit that subscribe button for me, I'd really appreciate it. I, I always appreciate um, seeing that you're enjoying my videos and it helps me to see subscriber numbers. So pop it in there. Thank you so much for that. And I will see you next time. Have a wonderful day. Hello, it's Angie Atkinson, Certified Life Coach, Author, and Survivor. Today at QueenBeing.com, we're going to discuss no contact and exactly why it's so hard to go no contact and how you can get through it in one piece and successfully. Let's get started. Okay, so like I said, my name is Angie Atkinson. I am a certified life coach, an author, and a survivor. I am also the primary uh, writer at queenbeing.com, which is where you can find many, many free resources, um, tips, and all kinds of good stuff for survivors of narcissistic abuse and relationships. This includes a um, support group that you can join for free, which is called SPAN, and you can learn about that at queenbeing.com slash SPAN. You can also go to booksangiewrote.com to check out several books I've written directly about this topic and related topics. Plus, you can go to NarcissismSupportCoach.com to learn more about how to get uh, personalized coaching as well as how to um, sign up for a free five-day email course that I designed specifically for narcissistic abuse survivors. Okay, let's go. So, like I said, today we're talking about narcissistic abuse recovery. Why is it so hard? to go no contact and what you can do about it. So you're considering going no contact with your narcissist or you've already done it. Hey, let me tell you first, congratulations. You're finally on your way to taking back your life. Are you ready to leave now or have you already left? Or maybe you're still kind of trying to decide what to do. Well, in any case, you need to know something important. It really isn't your fault that you feel so drawn, 
so drawn to your abuser. So why do you still want your narcissist when he was so terrible to you or she? How could you possibly miss a person who missed, you know, who abused you so relentlessly? And why is it so hard to go no contact? All right, well, since you're here reading this or watching this video, you probably have already figured out that you are or were in a toxic relationship with a narcissist. And of course, you also know that you need to at least consider going no contact if you ever want to be happy again, right? But also, as I'm assuming that you know, there's a, that's really a lot easier said than done, and that's especially true when the person in question is a close friend or a family member or especially, I think, a significant other, but really anyone who's been a part of your regular life. You know, imagining uh, going to a place where that person isn't in your life anymore, it's it's incredibly um, stressful, and it and it is a stressful change, but in my own experience, when you have gone no contact, I mean, the, the weight that, that sits on your shoulders and your chest and makes you feel so, you know, almost dead, it, it goes away. It, suddenly everything's lighter and suddenly you can get through things a lot better and suddenly you're happy and, and you don't even know what happened. It's crazy. So, you know, in case you're not aware of what no contact is uh, in regard to narcissistic relationships, I'm just going to define it for you very quickly. I know everybody's at different levels of education at this point, but what I mean when I'm talking about no contact is what I'm about to describe to you, okay? So let's start with the basic rules of what no contact is. So the no contact rule defined. Simply put, the no contact rule is enacted when you end all contact with a toxic narcissist. And this includes, but isn't limited to the following conditions, okay? So you're going to stop taking the narcissist's phone calls. You're going to stop calling him, of course. You're going to block the person, him or her, on all social media networks, okay? Facebook, Twitter, you know, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever you do. Uh, you're going to not schedule or encourage any visits with the narcissist. This is going to feel really hard if he is or she is the one who left you. But bear with me on this, okay? You're going to stop seeing, speaking to, or in any way interacting with him or her, okay? And, you know, that's those are the basic rules. And obviously, it's, it doesn't seem like rocket science, but why is it so hard to interact, you know, to enact that and actually stick to it in your life? Why does it feel so impossible sometimes? Well, it's because you're addicted. It's toxic love addiction. This is the primary reason that going no contact is so hard. And look, it's not just something that I made up. It is legitimate science. Let me talk about it, right? So you know probably that I wrote a book called Your Love is My Drug. If you don't know, you can take a peek at that at booksangiewrote.com. But anyway, the thing is there's a scientific basis for the title, okay? I didn't just think it sounded awesome. I mean, Let's be cool and get real. It's 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 kind of awesome for a title, but 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 really, the scientific basis is is there. So, and and here's what it is. Researchers say that romantic love is a physical addiction, as in it does affect your brain just like an actual drug. Uh, you know, even in anything. Anyway, so logically, you know, you're not. You know, you shouldn't be doing things that are bad for you, like drugs and overeating and and smoking and and drinking and whatever else you do, right? or don't do. Um, but toxic people are, are actually bad for our lives in the same kind of way 
uh, that drugs and, and overindulgence of any sort are, and, and that's that we, we know we need to, to get away from that person, but it's just always not that easy. We know we, get a, we need to get away from, you know, drinking too much coffee or too many beers or too many, you know, eating too many cupcakes, whatever. It's just very hard sometimes to walk away from something like that, okay? Um, there, I did write a book, one of the books that I wrote about this is uh, Take Back Your Life, 103 Highly Effective Strategies to Snuff Out a Narcissist Gaslighting and, and Enjoy the Happy Life You Really Deserve. And that is really going to be great for people who are either still in the relationship or who have been just out not that long and they need to really, you know, directly attack that this issue, okay, but the thing is that romantic love and any, really any kind of love, but this particular study that I'm talking about focused specifically on romantic love, okay, but on the same token before I continue, I need you to know that the type of love that you feel for your mother or the type of love that you feel for your best friend who you've known since you're four years old, uh, those types of love have very similar um, types of ad addictive qualities, right? Obviously, because, and some of that is, is, especially when it comes to family relationships, is just a huge sense of like almost obligation, okay? But at this point, the study that, that I'm talking about was focused on romantic love, okay? So the scientists found that we are biologically related to behave that way, uh, to, to be addicted to one another, okay? So you have to see the evolutionary spin in all of this. It's when you get to the point where the, the loss of a potential baby-making mate is bad for us as a species, right? If you look at it from that, that primary or that, what is it, primitive, uh, you know, perspective, right? On top of that, uh, humans are hardwired to develop bonds to other humans. It's obviously another survival urge. You know, if you think back to back, you know, before we had all of the conveniences and the, we don't struggle for much today when it comes to food, water, sh you know, clothing, shelter, most of us. Uh, uh, you know, we have the basics, even if it's not always as nice as we would like. We have them. So when you get to that place, you know, and you start to think about, well, you know, millions of years ago people needed you know each other to stay warm in the night and not die you know of course you're gonna feel great distress if you know on a primitive level and when your primitive self is involved sometimes it's very hard for your higher self to see things the way they really are okay so let's let's talk about that so you know of course it affects your it affects you like a drug your relationship with a toxic person affects you like a drug and when you're not getting that sweet, sweet poison, you just might miss it. Just like a crack addict or an alcoholic might mix, miss his or her fix, okay? So I thought that was kind of amazing when I when I read that. So uh, if you visit, um, oh, I, I should have linked that for you. If you visit uh, queenbeing.com and click on the resources page, you will see uh, plenty of additional information that's available to you about narcissism and narcissistic abuse re recovery, and it's all free, okay? or most of it anyway, and what isn't free is very inexpensive. So before we go on to the next section of today's video, just take a moment and ask yourself a question. Uh, you know, based on this, this knowledge, do you see how your narcissist might kind of feel like a drug to your brain? If, you know, I'd love it if you'd share your thoughts and experiences with me on that in the comments section. Okay, so let's talk about how to heal your mind to heal your heart. And I'm not just talking about your emotional heart here. Stick with me. Um, so the thing is, another study in the Journal of Behavioral Medicine has indicated that once anxiety and depression sets in, and these are, of course, both symptoms of 
in addition to several other symptoms of uh, CTPS, uh, CPTSD or PTSD, which, uh, which a complex post-traumatic stress disorder is often part of what survivors of narcissistic abuse go through, okay? So when you get there, you've, you know, you're unleashing the possibility that you might even just develop heart disease or heart disease or any number of other physical issues. And, and look, I'm just going to ask you a question. Do you really want to let this continue to kill you? My guess is that if you're going no contact or you've been no contact, you're continuing to go no contact, you know, you're doing that because you want a better life. And if you're going to keep letting this person affect you now, you know, um, you're really literally letting them continue to kill you. So I want you to start to take back your life. I want you to start to look at this from a whole new perspective, okay? So all the information I'm about to share with you is not meant to scare you. It is meant to help you realize how very serious it is that you take back your life and you stop allowing yourself to be abused, you know, in the same home or in a different home or in a new life. Do not let this person abuse you anymore. This is why, just one more reason, besides the fact that you deserve to be happy, stick with me, please. This is worth your time. All right. So we all know that certain factors um, contribute to heart contribute to heart disease, right? Uh, primarily genetics, and of course, as a society, our, our our poor food consumption or lack of healthy foods in our diet, right? So, but a lot of people never consider that you know just sheer stress and anxiety can be an actual source of damage to your body's heart, your physical heart. Okay. Now, you all, know, you all know you need your heart to live. You need your heart to live. You feel me? If your heart stops beating, if your heart gets broken physically, as in, you know, it, stop, it stops functioning properly or, you, you know, you clog an artery, you have a heart attack, you can die. Now, I know a lot of you are young and you think that's not going to happen to me, but, sweetie, it can happen to you. Okay? Listen to me. Disease and depression and, and anxiety and stress and, and general you know, malaise, all of these things can literally kill you. It can literally kill you if you don't stop allowing this narcissist to affect you this way. Please hear me, okay? So the study was done over at the University of Queensland in Australia, and it focused on women over 40 who did experience great stress, but who had no sign of heart disease, okay? So at this point, they're over 40, no sign of heart disease. Now, over time, the depression and the anxiety has, you know, seems to have been a factor in the development of heart disease. So it was a 15-year, you know, study, and they looked at how heart disease developed in these women. So researchers were looking for both depression and anxiety, you know, in this situation combined as a contributing factor. So what they found is that the women who were newly diagnosed with heart disease during the study, well, they were a lot more likely to have both depression and anxiety. So what scientists concluded is that when you have these types of mental health issues to fight in your life, your nervous system cannot perform accurately. So when you're depressed, you tend to lack physical activity. You sit around, you don't do as much as you should. You're going to engage in unhealthy food habits, smoking, alcohol addictions, you know, all of these things. And you're going to ne neglect your overall well-being, okay? So another study found and this one was from the Heart Foundation, found that heart attacks can occur from major life traumas, such as the death of someone you love, disasters of like hurricanes, things like that, you know, uh, tornadoes, you know, major disasters that destroy areas of your, such as your home, things like that, and domestic terror attacks. 
Um, of course, this also includes, you know, narcissistic abuse and gaslighting and love bombing and hoovering and all of this stuff, okay? The study also found that chronic stress, which is exactly the type of chronic stress that you will suffer and you are suffering as a result of being involved with a narcissist, especially in women over the age of 45, but, you know, none of us are getting any younger. <laughs> Those things contributed to heart problems. And of course, that doesn't let men off the hook either, you know, but because no study to date has singled out stress as the sole determining factor for having heart disease. But there is no mistaking the fact that it can definitely contribute to it. You feel me? So it could be because depression and anxiety cause poor self-care behaviors. That's possible. But one thing doctors know for sure is that a large number of patient visits to the doctor are due to high chronic stress. So again, high chronic stress causes so many different diseases and and conditions that lead to diseases, okay, that fatigue, panic attacks, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and more. You know, and what happens when you get stressed out is that your body experiences a fight or flight reaction. Okay, so that will get your adrenaline pumping and you tense up. Well, then your heart rate soars and fat gets released into your blood because it use it's it's you, your body's using that to give you, you know, a jolt of energy because, you know, in in the times of like the cavemen and 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 all of that, these people they had to to go and and if they were going to survive they needed that jolt of energy because when they had the fight or flight reaction they literally had to fight or get away from you know a predator and and that is why your body would would want you to you know jolt into action and of course this can even make your blood clot easier uh, but now obviously this wouldn't be a problem for your heart if it's just a once in a while deal right but you know, for a lot of people, depression and anxiety is a never-ending problem. And listen, 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 that is especially true for for you if you are dealing with narcissistic abuse and gaslighting and disrespect and, you know, all of the things that go with being part of a narcissist's main circle of support slash uh, supply, right? So you got to rest your heart. You got to give yourself a freaking break if you expect to survive this stuff. And, and why would you go through all of this and struggle and get out of there and go no contact and have this opportunity to make your life so much better just to, just to die? It's not, you know, don't do this to yourself. It is time for you to, to take your life back. It is time for you to become the you that you truly deserve and want to be. And, and if you don't do that, you literally can allow yourself to be killed from afar by this narcissist. Please don't do this to yourself. It shouldn't always be battling increased, you know, it shouldn't always be battling increased blood pressure, a barrage of, you know, cholesterol and rapid heartbeat. Your body can't handle that. It, what will happen is that your heart might start beating more abnormally, more often than not, and your arteries can even thicken. And you know what, that sets you right up for a heart attack or a stroke. It, is it really worth it? Uh, no, I don't think so. Anyway, let's talk about gauging your stress level for your heart, okay, so so you know if you're good. So you may or may not have an issue where stress, like in the form of depression and anxiety or anything else, is affecting your heart health. Uh, but if you're involved with a narcissist, you you might deal, you just might. And, and some people, you know, maybe they have minor stress, and I'm guessing those are the people who 
at this point have gone no contact successfully and have made it through that difficult point you know because we all have that moment when we go no contact where we waver we might have a lot of them it might take us weeks or months to not waver anymore but at some point you're gonna wake up in the morning in a you know wipe off your face and go outside and look at the Sun and go oh my gosh I'm actually happy today this is it this I've made it I mean don't you want that moment I think everybody deserves that moment all right so just know that some people you know are going to be just so overcome with stress at this point that they don't even realize how bad it's become and if they were to take a step back from outside and look at the situation from the outside you know they would just be shocked at what they're actually getting through every day okay so ask yourself if you've been going through a lot of traumatic nerve-wracking or frustration you know in the last year and things like this could include changing jobs or having stress in and in, in an existing job or even having no job and feeling stressed out about that uh, it could be having a new baby with a birth or a marriage or adopting a baby or a child it could be losing someone that you love or a great friend whether it's through death or some other way or a toxic relationship that ends it could be long health issues you know issues that you've been dealing with forever that are just continually chronically causing trouble for you and again a lot of these issues may be caused or exacerbated by the abuse you're dealing with okay could be struggling in a toxic relationship this is where we've basically been going for this whole video right could be moving to a new place again can be a side effect of going no contact continual stress like daily traffic things like that uh, being sued by someone going through a divorce going through things like that struggling with money you know just think about how you have personally physically felt lately I mean really think about it you know stop slow down and listen to your body for a minute you know we all know stress is evident in our minds but many times we overlook the physical effects of stress until it's too late you know what and if you're you're burdened by an unhealthy amount of stress if you take the time to notice those few common stress signs early on you could save your own life okay here's some ideas your jaw might hurt in the morning that's a sign that you're clenching your jaw or you're grinding your teeth at night um, you might suffer from headaches you might feel stiff in the neck um, as stress really takes a toll on your body the symptoms can get more serious you might have dizzy spells insomnia feelings of panic attacks where your heart is racing you're sweating and you just feel nauseous um, it's terrible it's terrible <laughs> uh, there are a lot of ways that you can cope with this and I'm gonna share some of them with you today but of course if you are dealing with narcissistic abuse please know that no contact is your option for you know redemption no contact is the only way you're really gonna have an opportunity to be fully happy unless you're forced to go low contact because you're you know parenting you know co-parenting with a narcissist or something like that other than that this is what you can this is what you can do okay so first of all if you've made the decision that stress might be the issue for you then you have to see if you're capable of getting it under control so that your heart is protected and you're not setting yourself up for a heart attack or stroke so listen do you see how simple that is if if you don't want to do it because you want your life to be better you don't want to do it because you know you're tired of being abused you don't want to do it because you're tired of game playing and all of this stuff do it so you don't die okay I'm not trying to scare you I'm not trying to be hateful or mean or or disrespectful or anything like that I am telling you I'm giving you a little tough love today and I'm telling you 
that if you are in a position where you need to get out or you are in a position where you need to stay out, do it so you don't die. That is a motivation, okay? Um, I've also done another video called 103 Things You No Longer Have to Deal With When You Go No Contact with a Narcissist. I will try to remember to link that to this video, but if not, just check my channel. You'll find it there. That video um, is great. It has helped a lot of people, and it will help you to, you know, kind of change your perspective a little bit, all right? All right. So there are some things that you don't want to do when it comes to managing your stress, right? So don't take the route of asking your doctor to let you pop a pill for it, unless it's your last option, okay? Pills just mask, mask a problem. They don't help you learn to cope. But but there's nothing wrong, by the way, with, with using um, a doctor-approved prescription if you need that to help you get over the hump and, and to get through the, the, the tough moments. There's nothing, there's nothing bad about it. So if you speak to your doctor and your doctor rec recommends that you try it for a short time, you know, just try it and, and if that is if your natural remedies aren't doing the trick already, okay? Uh, don't eat more or use special food to make you feel better because um, I had to go through a very long, you know, a two-year period where I had to lose the, the extra hundred pounds I gained thanks to my narcissistic relationship. I wouldn't want you to have to go through the same thing, but if you do, uh, hit up booksandyrow.com and check out my private, I mean, Project Blissful books, which will uh, explain to you how I got that weight off finally and, and doing the work from the inside out, okay? And I did not starve or or sweat too much or or hate myself, so might might be good for you. Anyway, but uh, comfort food that a lot of people use to self-medicate during stress only causes obviously more problems for your health. Okay, so don't turn to alcohol or drugs to ease your anxiety because obviously none of those things will help your heart do better and, and none of those things are going to help your body at all. So basically they're going to ruin your life. Not worth it. And can't even kill you at times. Uh, exercise alone will help your heart. Of course, it also releases endorphins and helps your stress levels get back to a manageable level. So if you can squeeze in 20 minutes of exercise a day, you are going to love it. Uh, so that's just one little tip from me to you. Personally, I'm in love with my Fitbit. Um, I need to remember to start competing more again because sometimes I forget to charge it and it's dead for a few days and I feel like what's the point but <laughs> I need to remember that and so do you something like a Fitbit or even just the the pedometer on your phone it's play little games with yourself and you know if you do the Fitbit thing you can actually um, you know compete with other people but I think there are actually free apps you can do the same thing with on the Google Play Store and I'm sure the iPhone store as well so iTunes store whatever okay Obviously, I'm a, an Android girl, but that's irrelevant again. <laughs> so uh, just, you know, also practice good time management. So if you're rushing around because you're overscheduled or you procrastinate to the point where you're now panicked, you know, a lot of time, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the times that's a bigger stressor than you even know. You might feel like it's a way of life, but uh, let's, you know, if you try to change it, it can just really make you feel so much better about yourself and your life and quite honestly a lack of time is one of the top stressors that a lot of people have in their lives um, you know get some sleep uh, protect your heart you know sleep, sleep hygiene that's a thing <laughs> uh, you know get a, get enough sleep sleep proper you know at, as much as you can during the, the evening or the nighttime hours um, now if you're dealing with working nights or something like that then you need to readjust as as necessary obviously but uh, you can't you know um, if you visit queenbeing.com and you search for sleep uh, you will find several articles that will help you get better sleep uh, but anyway 
you can't function properly and handle stress, stress gracefully when you're not getting enough sleep. It's just not possible. So, so just like getting plenty of sleep can, can be, not getting plenty of sleep can be a problem. It can also be a problem if you get too much sleep, believe it or not, because that's a sign of depression. So you can't get out of bed, you know, if you're having trouble getting out of bed to face the day, you know what, you really might need to get in touch with your doctor instead of an appointment and get some help. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with getting a little bit of medicine if, if your doctor thinks it's a good idea. So don't let any sort of stigma affect you if you need to, you know, to get some Prozac or whatever you need, whatever they prescribe you that works for your body. Don't feel like you shouldn't do it that it won't make you strong or, or something like that. Sometimes being strong, it means just admitting that you need a little help. And if, you know, taking Prozac for a couple of months helps you out, do it. I did it. I did it. I think I took it for six months uh, as I was going through my divorce. And I'm telling you, you know, I'm not trying to recommend it, but for, for six months, I had a really hard time. And, and I took the medicine in order to make my life a little bit less uh, overwhelming. And for that time, it helped me. And then when I was finished with it, I knew it. I went to my doctor and I was, you know, weaned off of the, the antidepressant that I was on. It was nothing real strong. It was just enough to, to help me to not focus all the time on feeling so sad and upset and stressed out. Okay. And that's what you need to do if, if that's the case for you. Okay. All right. So next up, eliminate any stress in your life that you can. It's going to make your heart feel better. It's going to make your life better. That might include things like jobs that you can delegate to other, you know, little things that you can delegate at work um, or home, after school activities, maybe you want to change it up or streamline it for your kids, however you want to work that out. Um, community commitments, you need to maybe double check, do I really need to, you know, to be on this board? Do I really need to, you know, make all the costumes for the school play this year? You know, whatever it is, you know, get some help or, or change your your methods. Um, chores people can help with around the house. If you can afford to pay someone, great. Give your kids allowance. Um, pay the kid next door to come over and mow your lawn. You know, you can do some of this stuff inexpensively or, you know, promise your kids, um, you know, you'll bake them their favorite pie if they wash all the dishes or whatever. You know, just work some stuff out with people. Um, you know, toxic relationships that bring you down. Here we are again with your narcissist stuff. Um, so, you know, financial struggles, uh, you know, basically what you need to do is you need to start one by one, baby steps, replace bad habits with good habits, you know, maybe nutrition doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal when it comes to your stress levels and your heart health, but the truth is that what you're eating really does matter because when you feel like your energy is drained because maybe you crashed on a sugar high, but you're not tired, right, <laughs> well, it makes you really unable to handle stress as well. So it's just another, anytime your body is not running in its peak primary, you know, condition, obviously, um, you have less resistance to stress. You have less ability to handle it in a way that is productive and helpful to your life rather than har harmful to you physically and mentally. So here are a few ideas for, you know, stress relief measures. Okay. Maybe you do deep breathing. I'm telling you, somebody said to me yesterday, uh, you know, breathing can heal anything. And I think there's really some legitimacy to that. Deep breathing, you know, it can do the trick. Okay. Um, yoga. A lot of people just tell me yoga is amazing. And I, I am not a regular practitioner, I have to admit, but I do occasionally indulge and I, 
I think that it is wonderful. I wish I would be more committed to my yoga practices, but it does work for some people, okay? Um, and then other things to think about, aromatherapy, that doesn't require anything at all, except, to, again, I think it partially is related to the deep breathing that goes with it, but in general, um, you know, they've proven like lavender and, and certain other types of uh, essential oils can be really beneficial to you um, during times of great stress. Um, you can uh, visit queenbeing.com and learn some more about that. And actually, Kim Saeed over at Let Me Reach talks a lot. She has way more information than I do about aromatherapy. You might want to check that out. Um, hypnosis. I've got uh, some, some information on self-hypnosis over at queenbeing.com. Um, connecting with friends by socializing. You know, doing some Tai Chi. I like Tai Chi. Meditation. Um, and if you're like me and you can't sit still, maybe your meditation is similar to mine, in which is a walking meditation. I've written about that a couple times at queenbeing.com. Um, and I'll do a video on that soon. Um, learn to say no to other people's demands. So sometimes you've got people from your personal life, from your kid's school, from church, from work, whatever it is, trying to get you to take on more responsibilities. So if you need less stress, you know what? Don't be afraid to say no. Okay, every now and then it's okay. And it's okay if you say no every time. You know, do what feels good to you. I understand that it's it's very hard for us to say no sometimes, um, especially people who have been involved with narcissists because we tend to be empathic and we tend to be driven by A, the desire to make other people happy and B, the, di the desire to prevent other people from having negative emotions because it hurts us when other people around us hurt or feel angry with us or things like that. But listen, you can literally die if you don't take care of yourself. So sometimes just say no if you need to. It's okay to take a day off. If anger is your primary reaction when, when something upsets you, then uh, you need to focus on anger management. So then you can control your reactions to the daily stress that you undergo. And you can let go of any grudges that you've been holding against other people because it only wears you down physically and emotionally. You feel me? All right, so let's talk about embracing a positive mindset, okay? So it's been proven that optimists live longer than pessimists. So that's because those who look at life with a, you know, sort of, <laughs> look at that typo, with a glass half empty, you know, idea are often suffering from heart sabotaging issues like depression and anxiety and other various issues that go along with PTSD and CPTSD. Okay, but it's not as easy as just flipping a switch and suddenly thinking that all rainbows and unicorns, woo. In fact, it's really not anything like that. You're, you can't, you know, supposedly wear, you know, you can't really wear rose-colored glasses and be fake about your life, but you can change your perspective, okay? So what you need to do is you need to work on a mindset that is where you're realistic about what, what life has given you because you have to acknowledge what is if you're ever going to overcome it, right? And then you do that with a positive attitude that you're capable of working through any issues that arise. So that doesn't necessarily mean that you expect that everything's going to, you know, be all hearts and flowers from now on, right? But you you have to stand up and you have to pull yourself up, you know, by the britches or whatever. And you have to say, listen, you have been through hell and you can continue to survive this. Now you can choose to do it as, as an individual, you know, who is a positive thinking, happy, forward moving individual. And, you know, happy is obviously a relative term, but when you stand up and you feel that your inner strength rise up inside of you, you know, maybe you don't feel the kind of happy that you would like to feel right now, but you can feel the, the kind of happy that means knowing that you are strong and you don't have to take this and you can just do it, okay? You've got this. Don't beat yourself up anymore, okay? You just know that you can 
do this. All right. So how does that, you know, what you have to just recognize there are always, there's always going to be stress in your life. It is unavoidable. It's going to happen whether life is with or without a narcissist. But when you have the right attitude, the right mindset, you know, and you can meet situations head to head and handle them with ease, it, life is going to get so much better. Okay. So every day you need to reiterate to yourself that you are capable of handling anything that comes up. Okay. Stay level-headed about what's going on. Don't overreact and make a big deal out of something that, you know, than it really is. So you can sit around and cry about stuff if you want to. Um, but if you're going to do that, this is my tip for me to you. Take a few minutes and go, okay, I'm going to decide right now that I'm only going to cry about this or want, you know, be sad about this and for a specific amount of time. Now that sounds ridiculous because it sounds like you really can't control your emotions so how can you tell yourself that you can only cry for two days or or 28 hours or whatever you want to pick about this particular thing right I like to go depending on the severity of the, the situation anywhere from you know an hour to a week um, and you know and I like to say okay I'm gonna let myself mo you know mourn this or cry about this or be sad about this for this amount of time mostly I, I like one day or less but you know, you, you need to work, do what works for you. And then I'm going to continue my life and I'm going to move on. And then I'll only allow myself to be sad about it if I really need to after that. Okay. Because the truth is, if you spend time allowing yourself to mourn, you're going to be able to move on faster, more effectively, and without so much of um, the common, you know, so many of those strings that, that like to stick between you and a narcissist when you try to move on. Okay. Um, so, you know, you just have to focus on that. You have to take a deep breath and you have to look at whatever's happening and you have to think logically about how you can make it better. Don't let feelings of doom and gloom overrun your thoughts, okay? The fact is that most likely the worst case scenario is not going to happen in most cases. And even if it did, it's not going to be the end of the world because you can recover from it. But how can you get a better mindset that helps you, you know, sort of be vaccinated against stress and protect your heart? Well, I, I know you're not going to want to hear this, but <laughs> practice positive affirmations, okay? This is when you vocally and mentally reaffirm to yourself that things are going to be okay. I've got a couple of daily meditations available on my channel for you in, the, in a playlist. I'll try to link that. But some people, you know, do like to start their day off and end it this way and, you know, or call on positive affirmations during times of crisis. And there's a science to it. Uh, when you do this, you're, you're, your mind begins to change your perception and your body and your life literally follow in kind. Okay. Okay. And you're going to want to smile. So research is going to show that smiling actually improves your stress handling abilities. And, and I, I've actually written about this at Queen Ming as well, but there's a science to it. Um, so you need to smile fully where your eyes and the muscles around your mouth actually change shape. Um, even if it feels fake at first, it can literally, um, directly and very very quickly affect your stress levels significantly so you know laugh a lot do something that uh, you know that's going to bring you that kind of um, you know that kind of joy that causes you to smile whether it's a funny TV show or a date night out to a live comedy club with a good friend or your you know if your if your spouse or your or your loved loved one that isn't a toxic person can go you know if, if that's not if this isn't who you're here to listen about if it's a parent or a, a friend maybe your spouse could be your date or your your 
you know, boyfriend, girlfriend. Um, but in any case, laughter can help you physically and emotionally. When you laugh, you know, the lining of your blood vessels literally dilates and improves your blood flow. Did you know that? Laughter literally directly affects your ability to continue to have your blood flow properly. So get some laughs on y'all, okay? Um, finding ways to manage stress isn't just going to ensure that your heart's protected. It's going to give you a better quality of life and it will improve your current and future relationships as well, the non-toxic ones, okay? So that's all I've got for today. Now before I close, I'd love to know if you've personally managed to go no contact with a person who has been toxic for you and what your biggest struggles were. And if, if you did it, what worked for you? If you haven't gone no contact, would you please tell me what are your biggest struggles because I would love to address those in, f in future videos if I haven't addressed them already, okay? I really want to be able to help you and please, if, if you, oh look at that, another typo, I'm sorry about that, but uh, you never know, you know, who you're going to be able to help when you start to share your own thoughts and experiences here on, you know, whether it's in my, on my YouTube channel or on Facebook or, or you know, in the private span group or, you know, anywhere. Um, on my site, queenbeing.com, if you if you share your experiences and your thoughts uh, on how you survived it and what you struggle with, you know you can be letting another survivor know a that they're not alone, and b that there are things that can be done and that life does get better, you know. And just if we can provide that for our fellow victims and survivors, uh, we will have done one more thing that you know that makes our, our the world a better place just a little bit. So I would love it if you would help me pay it forward by doing that. All right? That's all I've got. Um, till next time, I'm Angie Atkinson. Um, if you want to learn more about narcissism and narcissistic abuse recovery, visit queenbeing.com, visit narcissismsupportcoach.com, and to check out my books, uh, go ahead and visit booksangiewrote.com. All right? I will see you next time. Have a wonderful week. Atkinson. I'm a certified life coach, an author, and a survivor of narcissistic abuse in relationships. Today at queenbeing.com, I'm going to share with you 103 things that you no longer have to deal with when you go no contact with a narcissist. Let's get started. Like I said, my name is Angie Atkinson. I'm a certified life coach and an author and a survivor. Um, if you are looking for resources for narcissistic abuse recovery, you can visit queenbeing.com. That's my website. Tons and tons of freebies there. Uh, you can also visit booksangiewrote.com, which you'll find um, about 20 books I've written, Most, many of which are on this topic or on a topic near this. And um, NarcissismSupportCoach.com if you're looking for personalized narcissistic abuse recovery coaching as well as a free five-day uh, email course right on the front page um, that is specifically geared at narcissistic abuse survivors. All right, let's go ahead and get started. So going no contact can feel like a last resort and you might feel miserable at first, but you know, in the end, it'll be worth the trouble. Um, 
Trust me when I tell you that it uh, it feels like you've had a huge ton of bricks lifted from your chest and or shoulders uh, when you finally do, when you finally do get the courage to stop contacting, interacting, and dealing with the narcissist. So it's never easy to go no contact. We all know it, um, even if it's not your choice. Uh, the fact is that it feels like a combination of rejection and failure mixed with confusing feelings of regret and maybe even guilt, especially when you're dealing with a family member or even a long-term like spouse or friend or co-worker um, yeah and that's partly because of the fact that narcissists have a drug-like effect on us okay so we crave their approval and their love it's like the proverbial carrot on a stick though we might never actually reach it but they dangle it in front of us like we might and we're perpetually chasing it as a result one way to help yourself get through the tough times is to focus on what's good about the situation in that moment. This works from literally everything in your life. If you're having a hard time, focus on what's good instead of what's bad. So let's do that, shall we? In that spirit, I've put together this list of things that you'll no longer need to deal with once you've gone no contact with a narcissist. So if you're struggling with your decision today, I'd like you to consider the following. When you go no contact, you no longer have to deal with gaslighting and manipulation, being treated like you're stupid, crazy, or not good enough, giving up your time and energy for someone who doesn't deserve it, babying and coddling the narcissist, harassing phone calls, text messages, and conversations, passive-aggressive passive aggressive Facebook posts, humiliation and degradation. I cannot speak today. I'm so sorry. Ruined weekends, holidays, and birthdays. Being isolated and not allowed to have real friends. Having no control of your money. Being financially abused. Not worrying if the rent or grocery money gets spent. Not wanting to get out of bed in the morning. You know, the sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach when you hear the carpool in the garage at night. Being yelled at for looking the wrong way. Being treated like your thoughts and your feelings aren't legitimate. Sending or giving cards and gifts on birthdays and holidays that will never be considered good enough for the narcissist. Narcissistic limbo. Having to wait for the narcissist to commit before you can RSVP to a party or an event. And missing out on the parties and events you do want to attend. And, if, and having no one to make you feel awful while you do. <laughs> Being held responsible for things you can't control, such as other people's behavior, and being punished when things don't go the narcissist's way. Having to keep your kids or pets quiet in order to keep the narcissist happy. Feeling like you're wasting your life. Being dissociated and suffering from the worst symptoms of narcissistic abuse-induced PTSD. Missing out when your friends have a girl's night out or a guy's night out. Narcissistic altruism, when a narcissist is generous but expects you to perform in order to get the generosity met, and if you don't, making you feel bad about it. Not being heard, narcissists never really listen, so they're just waiting until you're done talking so they can say what they really want to say. Your entire life being all about someone else. Everything always being your fault. Always being wrong, even when you're not. Never being a priority. Having other relationships destroyed. Never being treated with love, respect, or empathy. The narcissist's deep and erroneous sense of self-entitlement.
having to tell the narcissist how amazing he is every day or risk the wrath of his ego. Having to put the narcissist's needs before yours and your kids. Extreme aggression mixed with passive aggression. The narcissist's inability to handle any criticism at all. Having to say I'm sorry when you don't mean it and he doesn't deserve it. Excuse that typo. Just to keep the peace. Having to make excuses for him all the time. Having to explain why you didn't show up for an important event. The devalue and discarded phases. The repeating cycles of abuse of roller coaster proportion. Did I already say that? Repeating cycles? Yeah. Having huge arguments over tiny things. Um, being disregarded when you have a legitimate concern. Having all of your happy moments and successes ruined by the narcissist. Accepting less than you deserve. Feeling alone in a crowded room. The tiny betrayals that the narcissist puts you through every single day. And the bigger betrayals. Doing things you would have once thought unthinkable to get the narcissist to stay happy. That look that you get out in public, which means you screwed up. The one that means you'll be getting it when you get home. Getting in trouble like a bad kid. Feeling like your life is beyond your control. Apathy and the daily struggle to maintain and find meaning in your life. Forgetting who you are. Literally feeling like everyone else is better than you, at least as far as the narcissist is concerned. Not enjoying your food because your stomach always hurts. Living under the narcissist's iron fist. Feeling guilty for not living up to the narcissist's ridiculous expectations. Wondering if you really are the problem. Trying to fix an unfixable person. Being responsible for the narcissist's emotions. Pretending to like stuff you don't just to keep the narcissist happy. Having to beg the narcissist to do basic things like babysit his own child so you can go to work. Trying to protect other people in your life from the narcissist's rages. Interacting with someone who believes they are above the rules. Saying, please don't be mad. Flying monkeys. <laughs> Triangulation. Being part of a narcissistic harem. Feeling guilty when you do literally anything for yourself and even for your kids. Having to sneak around to take care of your kids' material needs, for example. Uh, if you need to buy your kid a new pair of shoes, but the narcissist refuses to let you spend the money because he needs beer for the weekend. Cheating and or inappropriate friendships with the opposite sex. Constantly being compared to other people. Being expected to give 100% and get nothing back. Double standards. Having to go along with the narcissist's lies to save face. Yours or his. Love bombing, hoovering, and the related forms of manipulation. You know that roller coaster we talked about? Yep. Being treated like an object or a possession. The narcissist's grandiosity. The dual personalities thing. You know, one personality at home, another one in public. 
being exploited when it suits the narcissist, being the subject of envy and being hated for it, watching the narcissist be sweet to someone else when he's been an ass to you, watching your kids' hearts break when he fails them yet again, trying to hold it together when he breaks your heart yet again, having your fears and your insecurities used against you, having to rescue the narcissist, having yourself placed in various types of danger in order to be rescued by the narcissist when he feels like being a hero, having the narcissist talk about you behind your back and break your confidence, being told that you're lazy, boring, or otherwise unsavory, being taken for granted, being put down all the time so the narcissist can build himself up, always walking on eggshells, cognitive distortion, when the narcissist believes his own lies and gets mad if you don't, being forced to do everything the narcissist wants when it comes to your look, your hair color, your style, your clothing, everything. The weird sex stuff. Being publicly confronted and humiliated when the narcissist feels you've wronged him. Having to defend yourself after the narcissist tells everyone how crazy you are and then realizing it's pointless because crazy people always say they're not crazy. You feel me? Yep. Being told what you witnessed and heard isn't real. For example, if uh, you tell the narcissist that you just saw a cloud float by, he might say, no, you didn't. If you told the narcissist, if the narcissist said to you, you're mean, you're horrible, and I don't like you, and then you said to him, you just told me that I'm mean, and I'm horrible, and, and you don't like me, he would say, no, I didn't. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> having all of your boundaries crossed relentlessly, excessively, and repeatedly. Nobody likes that. Being undermined. Having constant criticism of the destructive variety directed at you. And finally, narcissistic injury. That's my list. What do you think? What would you add to it? Share your thoughts and experiences in the comment section below. Let's discuss it. That's all I've got for today. Again, my name is Angie Atkinson. I'm a certified life coach, an author, and a survivor. If you are looking for assistance with getting through narcissistic abuse recovery, please visit queenbeing.com and you will find tons and tons of free help for you. Um, you could also join my uh, private online support group for victims and survivors of narcissistic abuse recovery. You can find that on Facebook under SPAN, S-P-A-N, which stands for support, excuse me, support for people affected by narcissistic abuse in relationships. Uh, you can also find that by going to queenbeing.com or narcissismsupportcoach.com and clicking on the free online support group tab or the SPAN tab. Um, you can get my books at booksandywrote.com and you can get my um, Udemy courses at Udemy.com. Don't forget, if you visit NarcissismSupportCoach.com, there is a free five-day five-day email course for you there uh, that will really change your life in just a few minutes a day. All right, and it's only five days long, and it's totally
totally free. So hit it up if you want. All right. Other than that, I'll see you next time. Thanks and have a great weekend.